Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Yeah, could I have a number three with cheese and uh, a large coffee? And does this smell good? Wolfing down your lunch. <laughs> Serving up today's top sports stories with Wolf and Luke. Hey, boys. Presented by Stadium Swim at Circa Resort and Casino, Las Vegas' ultimate sports fan destination. All right, it is noon on a Thursday. Time for Wolf and Down Your Lunch. All of today's top sports stories in one place, courtesy of Aaron Maloney. Aaron. So the Phoenix Suns had a lot of things go their way last night, but still couldn't get the win over the Cavaliers, falling 90 to 88. But were you guys encouraged by what you saw? Yes. Yeah, I hate this. I hate that I have to be encouraged by a loss with the Suns. But yes, because they actually looked like the Suns defensively for most of that game, really. Especially the first half. That was nasty in the first half. Yeah, for me, uh, this is what I've been looking for from this team. I, I get it. They lost the game. That's never a good thing. But anybody that has watched this team over the last 15, 16 games, you know, man, something is amiss. Something is wrong. And they looked like they took a step back to being more like the Phoenix Suns than we've seen in a long, long time. So I was encouraged. You, yes. know, you know what it is? We keep talking about, like, okay, are they in trouble? Are they not in trouble? And I think what it is for me, Wolf, is over the course of the regular season, this kind of goes to your Golden State analogy earlier of, like, you're just trying to get better over the course of the regular season. If you're really going to try and win a title, you should be getting better as the season goes and peaking at the end of the season. For most of these losses, they haven't looked like they were improving or learning anything or getting better. They just look like they were getting run off the court. That wasn't the case last night. Our Sanderson Ford poll question is up now at ArizonaSports.com, and it asks, who needs to step up more right now for the Suns as they play without Devin Booker? DeAndre Ayton or Mikel Bridges? <sighs> you know, I, I, I'm, I'm so tired of saying it, but DeAndre Ayton! Yeah, I... I DA! We were talking off the air before, like, Mikel Bridges is having a kind of a, it's being perceived as a rough year because now it's like, okay, Mikel, we need you to score 25. Okay, Mikel, we need you to take the last shot. Mikel Bridges, what he was last year, I'm fine with that. That's We're all happy with that. It's it's almost like you're asking, like Jalen Thompson's a really good player for the Cardinals, right? Yeah. If you asked him to play nose tackle too, I don't know that he would be as good. Like, how about Mikel gets to do Mikel's job? Yeah, Jalen, we're going to move you inside and let you play Mike Backer. Yeah. Maybe not quite as effective out of position like that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm with you on that one right there. Next. Well, 74% say DeAndre Ayton. 26% say Mikel Bridges. Now we can go. Next. So, <laughs> on the day after Kyler Murray had surgery to repair his torn ACL, Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury met with the media and said that the quarterback probably won't be back for the start of the 2023 season. Yeah, I mean, I think he's... He's never been through this, obviously, but he's excited. It can be kind of a reset for him. Um, we know, you know, we had our struggles this year offensively, and we feel like we can play at a much higher level. And um, I think he understands that he can build himself back better and um, attack this thing. And I think that's how he's doing it. So it's kind of a, a reset, and you know, where he takes it now is kind of how what's going to define his career. What do you guys think that means? Mm. Yeah, you know, once again, it's pure speculation right now because Cliff is a grandmaster guru sensei at speaking median. Um, 
giving you an answer when he really didn't say anything to, or divulge well, any real. And now it's heightened because you don't even know if Cliff's going to be back next year. <laughs> exactly right. So he might right. be talking about something that he has nothing to do with. Exactly right. But I, I'm just going to take him at what he said. And to me, it encourages me because I think that maybe there's the possibility Kyla Murray understands, hey, you know what? Things were not going well, and now um, I've blown my knee out. I've got to rehab this. I've got to get my career back on track, and I'm going to do this intentionally, man. I'm going to take this by the, the reins, so to speak, and I'm going to lead us in the direction this offense needs to go. That's what I'm hoping for, and that direction, of course, is to do all things. Shotgun, pistol, under center to do all things. Blend the old and the new and attack the line of scrimmage. Use play action. Use the RPOs. Use the the zone reads. Use it all, man. All of it. You have to do it if you want to get better. I'm hoping that's what he's alluding to. Yeah, I'll go with that for the purposes of time. Okay. DeAndre Hopkins has already been ruled out for the Cardinals' Week 18 matchup against the 49ers. And Cliff Kingsbury was asked yesterday on if Hopkins would play in a different circumstance. Uh, I'd say it'd be close. Um, it's definitely something that's been nagging him, his, his knee injury. And um, so we're just going to be cautious this last one. Should we read into it? Uh, I mean, it, it, I what I'm reading into is... And maybe I shouldn't because there's not really anything left on the line here this season. But how many times has there been a guy that we find out later was definitely going to miss like four weeks and they they pulled the the game time decision up until an hour and a half before kickoff? And here on Wednesday, they just roll out Hopkins for Sunday? Just like that? Listen, you know, this is the way I'm vetting this right now. Nobody has told me a doggone thing about this. So I will just give you my gut reaction on this. Um... Okay, DeAndre Hopkins. Oh, you, you're what's wrong? You, you've got a little ache. D, you go ahead and you sit down, D Hop, because you know what? I think we're going to get a lot of phone calls on you. That's what it feels <laughs> I'm like. Just, I'm That's just saying what it feels like. I'm just saying, right? This is nobody has said a word to me. I, if, I, I think maybe D, you got a little strain in your hand. Hey, bud, D, you need to sit down because we're already getting calls. So, DeMar Hamlin has made incredible progress, according to multiple reports and everything that surfaced this morning. And the latest one, so doctors are actually meeting with the media over a Zoom conference to kind of update people on the situation. And a doctor said Hamlin awakened last night. And when he awakened last night, he asked in writing, who won the game? The doctors then told him. Yes, you won. You've won the game of life. You, you stud, Damar. Oh, my goodness. No way. That's crazy for so many reasons that that would be his first reaction, certainly. Um, but also a really good sign. I'm going to take it as another good sign that he's able to write. I mean, there's a lot of things in those, what is that, like two sentences from Adam Schefter. Uh, that That's a lot. That is, like you said earlier today, really good updates on DeMar Hamlin, you know, relative to where everything is, but still progress, hopefully, in the right direction. But then that one, that, that tweet is like, that, I, 
That was so extreme, I double-checked to make sure that was really Adam Schefter tweeting it, and it is. Hey, Damar, um, we are the Wu Fang Clan. We stand at the ready for you and yours, dude. Yeah, that's... Man. All right, that was Wolfing Down Your Lunch. Thank you, as always, Aaron. When we come back, we'll switch over to basketball. And last night kind of highlighted it. Who should be taking the final shot in these close games for the Suns with Devin Booker out? We'll debate that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to the show live from the Auction Community Studios here on this Thursday afternoon. It is Wolf and Luke. We've got the replay of Suns Cavs on in the studio right now, which um, in itself is a moral victory for me, Wolf, because we were locked on three soap operas on these TVs for a while and Yo. nobody could figure out how to change the channels. I know. So now we've got we've got sports on all three TVs again. Just force fed days of our lives. <laughs> Can you imagine how brutal that is? It's just, we're just watching it with no sound for four hours a you day. You know, honestly, do, do they even have that anymore? I don't know. The, the days of our lives, hey, is that even around I anymore? I think they just go I, forever, I, don't they? It's the only one I remember. I can tell you that. No, General Hospital, too. <laughs> I remember General Hospital. Well, okay, anybody that, the, I've never watched soap opera except this week. I've been, imagine this, okay? okay. You're watching a soap opera, but you're hearing Wolf talk as you're watching yeah, a soap opera. That's be been my life weird. for the last couple of days. <laughs> So whoever changed the channels here, I appreciate it. It's a little weird, yeah. Uh, But what they have changed them to on one of these TVs is Suns Cavs from last night. And, yeah, probably in some ways there there were some encouraging signs to hold the Cavs to 33 points and five total assists in the first half. Vince Vince tweeted this out, actually, at, at halftime of the Cavs were on pace at that point to score less than Donovan Mitchell scored himself on Monday in, in the previous Cavs game. So that Suns defense was was finally back, and hopefully it's like back to stay. But it came down to the end. Evan Mobley scores. The Suns only have a couple seconds. Mikel Bridges takes the shot. It rims out. Okay, Suns lose. Cavs celebrating. But it does sort of raise the question of, do the Suns have a clear cut? Okay, Devin Booker's out. Who's taking the final shot guy on this roster right yeah, now? Yeah, that is a great question right there. Uh, Chris Paul, of course, that's... That's a name somebody's going to revert to immediately. Uh, I would say Mikal Bridges, and I would say DeAndre Ayton for the most part. Those three guys right there are are your best players. And I think somehow, some way, you've got to get one of those three guys the ball and give them the opportunity to either win a game or tie a game up, send it into overtime. The way that Mikal Bridges had that opportunity, he got his sweet spot right there, man. It was a 14-footer, pull-up little jumper. Something we've seen Mikal Bridges hit. So it wasn't on, a bad shot. It wasn't anything, a bad no. shot at all. Uh, no, I didn't think so. So once again, I thought they got the look they wanted. But man, yeah, that made you think, where's Devin? Didn't it, it? it did. Last night, really, and I said this earlier, but last night felt like the Phoenix Suns without Devin Booker. And if you have Devin Booker, you win that game. There have been games they've played without Devin Booker where it has seemed like they have so many other problems that maybe that wouldn't have made enough of a difference. You can never tell. But a game like that last night where scoring was at a premium, you figure he's at least good for, what, 18 points, and he would take that final shot if it even came down to that. It probably wouldn't. If you hold a team to 33 points and you have a healthy Devin Booker on your side, you're probably running away with the game and just looking towards the rematch with the Cavs uh, this this weekend. This is Mikel Bridges afterwards. Um, yeah, coach, trust me. 
go to play and um, try to get to my spot, but stay going. Were you? Did you feel it right a little bit, or was it, or was the timing right for you? Yeah, I was fine. I was just missing. I'm not saying Mikel shouldn't take the last shot. I'm not saying there's a bad shot. None of that. Sometimes you just take the last shot and you lose. Devin Booker may have missed the last shot if it came down to it. I just, this was, this was one of the earliest basketball debates I could ever remember as a kid hearing it a lot. And like I said earlier, it was a lot of times when teams would lose to the Bulls. Can you have like, Hey, we're coming down last shot. We got like two or three different guys. Or do you need to have one guy that you're like, no, that's the guy that's going to take the last shot. And if the whole opposing team swarms to him, like you have a backup plan, but but do you need to have a clear cut? No, this is our guy because right now I don't think the Suns have one. Yeah. You know, Mikel Bridges, I had no problem with him taking the last shot. As a matter of fact, he would have been my first choice to take the last shot. I thought he had a good look. What I love based on what you just played. Did you hear him? No, I yeah. just missed it. No, hey, no guys, excuses. Let no me excuses. tell you right now, that is huge, Luke. Yeah, it was the first thing I heard this morning when I heard that. That is like, huge right there. It just yeah. it makes me love Mikael Bridges all over again, man. It, what a stud. I've been saying that a lot the, this morning, but honestly, just to sit there and be accountable. No, I just missed it. You know what? There, there, there has been a kicker that if I said his name, you guys would know immediately who it is. I'm not going to do that to him. I, I'm not because I was having a conversation with him. And this kicker always had a reason. There was always a reason why he missed a kick. Always a reason why he did it. It was, it was the snap. You know, oh, you know what? Hey, listen, I think I, I, I never got set. It wasn't set. I was rushed on that thing. We had to go out there. They, they called us onto the field late, whatever. There was always, to be perfect. there was always something as to why he missed it. And, uh, you know what? Basinonians, sometimes you just miss. Sometimes you just miss it. Everything was right. It was everything was aligned. You just missed it, man. That's the way that it goes. And for for Mikel to admit it and just say it, it reminds me of the competitor that he is. It reminds me how accountable Mikel Bridges truly is. Sit there's no, I just missed it. (laughs) Yeah. No, it, it, it's you know built up inside. You got to be to admit that, especially with the season. Again, not that he's having a bad season, but like he had the four for twenty four game. He is taking more criticism this year than I would say he's ever taken in the NBA because it's like, well, you know, you can't score too on top of everything else you do. You can't just be Booker's replacement offensively. Like at a certain point, I think we would all sign off on Mikel being the defensive guy he is. Yes, that when he gives you twenty points, you win. There was a stretch there going back to last year where they had won 14 in a row when he scored 20 or more points. Now, with Booker out, he's he's gone over 20, and they've lost a couple. But I think we were all comfortable with Mikel Bridges in the role he was in. So, yeah, for him to be in a season where he's actually taking a little heat, and he missed the last shot last yes. night, and they gave him the opportunity. Hey, you know, was were, were you kind of rushed? Did you not have it? He's like, no, no, I just missed it. Just missed it. Yeah. Man, that is that just tells you everything you need to know about Mikal Bridges and his security level, his confidence level, and who he is. It's stuff like that right now on this streak where they've lost, what is it now, 13 of 18? I think they're 5 and 13 in their last 18 games. I'm just looking for any sort of signs of them being the Suns. And that comment after the game was a sign that Mikel Bridges is, is still Mikel Bridges. Now, this is my- 
Williams after the game because DeAndre Ayton last night finished the game with 15 points on 7 of 12 shooting, 18 rebounds. And Monty said, okay, this this is the sort of game where we have to get him the ball more. I thought DA was, was pretty good tonight. Um, we probably didn't go to him enough down there. He showed a good percentage. He had 18 rebounds. I mean, he did everything we asked him to do tonight. We just, they packed the paint, so it's hard to, to get the ball to him down there at times. Um, but I thought he did a good job. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because um, the yoke of responsibility is heavy when you're a max player. Would we all agree on that? That's the trade-off. Right? It is, right? Or some guys don't mind that. It's right, not I, even the trade-off. But honestly, I, I think the they feel the responsibility of going out there and being one of your best players where you're you're under a max contract. You've got to go out and you've got to play well. You need to do everything you can. You need to play your best when it matters the most. And it was interesting because I, just watching the crunch time of this, DeAndre Ayton uh, played well, as Monty just said, until the fourth quarter. He was one of four in the fourth quarter. Um, and it wasn't really that much of a force. And Mikael Bridges um, as well. He was one of four in crunch time. Chris Paul. Chris Paul, this is what was so weird about last night's game because, boy, did anyone say, hey, there's the CP3. That's the guy we all know and love, of course. It was Chris Paul. He played a very good game last night. He scored eight points though, in the fourth quarter, and it was right off the top of the fourth quarter for the more, for the most part. And then inside of, of five minutes, inside of crunch time, he did not even have a field goal attempt. Yeah, that, that part was weird because he was having a good night, 25 points, 9-17 yeah. shooting. It, it's not like, A, I don't think Chris Paul doesn't take shots late in games because on that particular night he doesn't, his shot isn't falling. I think he's done enough in this league and he's seen enough where if, if the shot's there, he's going to take it regardless of how he's been shooting all night. But man, he was shooting really well last he night. Was. Like you would think he would almost be wanting to shoot more. Um, and can I also just say quickly too that um, Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell, how do you think Donovan Mitchell played last night? He was fine, but anybody that has watched Donovan Mitchell closely this year in particular, like they slowed him down considerably. And I'm not yeah. just talking about the 71 point game he had on Monday, which is absurd to even say. He has been like a fringy MVP candidate this season. He's not going to win it, but he's been like a, he should be in the discussion sort of guy too. I thought the Suns played pretty well with him. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with your assessment on that. It, it was interesting to me though. Um, Donovan Mitchell wasn't hitting shots. Until it mattered. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, it just, that's the impression that I have. He, he, he was, he was a bit of a difference down the stretch for the Cavs, even though he had an off night, decidedly off night. Shot 30% from the field. Exactly. Yeah. He showed up late and hit some big shots, made some big plays, hit a couple of threes that were big threes. And then actually assisted on Mobley's. Yeah, he set that go play ahead. Up. Because I remember watching the play live, thinking like, "Wow, he's not going to take this shot." And then you see Mobley how open he is. He's like, "Oh, that's why he's not taking this." Yes, shot. and it made me think of Book. Yeah, need Devin Booker back here. So yeah. it is. Uh, I keep saying last night felt like the Suns without Booker in this one small bit of context 
I'm saying it as a good thing because they look like the Suns and in such a way where you get Booker back and you're going to look complete again. But in the moment, it's still brutal because they need some wins right now. Just just the culture of winning they're used to having. Yeah. They've lost a lot of basketball yep. games in the last five weeks. Text us your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. Cliff Kingsbury said Kyler Murray probably won't be ready for the start of next season. So is this offseason a total reset for the Cardinals quarterback? We'll explain next. It's Wilton Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, I got to say, watching the replay, as much as we talked about how great the Suns' defense was last night, Wolf, watching the replay of a game where a team scores 33 points at halftime, when you already know what happens, takes some of the drama out of it. Like, nobody's scoring in this game. Incredible. Uh, We got maybe a little bit of insight on the Cardinals, how they're going to approach this offseason from Cliff Kingsbury yesterday. Now, look. Cliff Kingsbury might not be a member of the Cardinals a week from now. We don't know. But right now, he's still the head coach. He's still answering questions. He might be back next season. He might very well still be tied to Kyler Murray next season. And so he said this uh, yesterday, first of all, in relation to Colt McCoy and the decision to shut him down. It was tough. Yeah, he, he wanted to play. And um, it's just in our situation with, like I said, the impending probably not having Kyler start the year. It's, it's the right thing to do. Yeah, you know what, honestly, um, Colt McCoy, too, you better believe he wanted to play. He wanted to play. That is is the one thing we do know. Colt McCoy wanted to play. Um, Here's a guy, remember when he passed out on the field, remember when he suffered that concussion on the field and flopped right over onto his back. Um, This is a guy that would not allow them to cart him off. Okay, that tells you everything you need to know about Colt McCoy and the person that Colt McCoy is. Um, Would not. He wanted to walk off that field himself after he suffered that concussion. That truly is amazing. Well, and again, every conversation about the Cardinals is, you have to look at it through the lens of so much unknown. Because my initial reaction is like, okay, well, they know, even if Colt wasn't hurt, Maybe you don't play him in this last game because you got to see what you have in Blau, right? And you kind of know what Colt McCoy is, and you know ideally he's your backup to start next year. And if he has to play two games or whatever, that's fine. If he's got to play eight, you probably need to add somebody else. But nothing's certain. What if they switch GMs? What if they switch GMs and and coaches? Mm-hmm. And the, the new guy comes in, and he's like, "Look, Kyler's not going to be playing till October, and he's not going to be himself to November. I want a different quarterback in here. I mean, any anything is is up in the air at this point. You're right." Uh, but the Kyler stuff is kind of the one thing that is up in the air as it is. You know he's on this team next year, and you know that's still who they're building around. So this was Cliff's commentary on what this can be for uh, Kyler Murray now going forward. Surgery's done, and the rehab process, like you said earlier, Wolf, essentially begins like now because surgery's done. Yeah, I mean, I think he's... <laughs> He's never been through this, obviously, but he's excited. I think it can be kind of a reset for him. Um, we know, you know, we had our struggles this year offensively, and we feel like we can play at a much higher level. And um, I think he understands that he can build himself back better and um, attack this thing. And I think that's how he's viewing it. It's, it's kind of a, a reset, and you know, where he takes it now is kind of how what's going to define his career. Wow, that is big. That is a strong statement right there by Cliff Kingsbury. It really is, in my opinion. Now, listen again. 
This is me trying to translate everything that Cliff is saying in that cut right there that Luke just played. Uh, it's it's speculation because he is doing a great job of speaking median for the most part, as far as I'm concerned. Answering the question, giving you something, just not a whole lot of anything, if you know what I mean. Um, what do you mean by he understands he can build himself back better? And where it takes, where he takes it now is kind of what's going to define his career. I like that last part. That And you never know, like you said, Cliff, not only might he not be speaking media, and he might just be so fried at this point in the season absolutely. that he's just trying absolutely. to tie words together. But that the, is an absolute guaranteed yes. But that the, could be it. The, the last thing he said where this could define his career is almost identical to what you said when we did the show the day after Kyler Murray got hurt. What happens next will define his career. And I've thought about that a lot when we've talked about the Cardinals going forward because obviously what defines the next five years of this franchise is Kyler Murray's career. There's a lot of truth to it. He's either, because when something like that happens, there's going to be a change. So is that change going to be for the better or for the worse? If that change is for the worse, then I don't know what Kyler ultimately becomes, like a guy that played in the NFL. If the change is for the better, then there's still a ceiling and you don't know how high that ceiling goes yet. What I love is Cliff actually said reset. The word reset, he used it twice in that cut right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. Go look up reset. The definition of reset is to set again or differently. <laughs> I'm going to look up parody. I'm just, I'm, just, I'm just saying right now, to set again, don't look up parody. I'm Forget looking, it, okay? Don't. <laughs> you said because the young crooks Matt, called it meh. Matt Wolf, hey, to me, I do. Okay, listen. Um, to set again or differently, interesting. He understands he can build himself back better. So there's change there as well. He's alluding to change, correct? Yeah. And where it, where he takes it now is kind of what's going to define his career. Um, That is a definitive statement, Cliff. That right there. And where he takes it now is kind of what's going to define his career. Um. It's simply my translation, and I could be dead wrong on this, Basinonians, but Kyler is going to learn how to blend more traditional schemes into his offensive repertoire or not. That's what Cliff basically is saying. And that endeavor is going to define the rest of his career as to whether or not he's able to do that. So let me throw this out there as, a, as another example. Um, so Joe Burrow... And they're not the same quarterback, but just follow me here for a second. Joe Burrow had the torn ACL and MCL in his left knee. That was late November of 2020. That was his rookie year. Okay? Yeah, right. So when he had that injury and he didn't have the body of work in the NFL or the experience that Kyler Murray has had now, almost four full seasons, Joe Burrow had like, what, 10, 11, 12 games, 10 games. Um, my perception of Joe Burrow at that point, it's just my perception, was really good quarterback, has had a lot of problems with injuries, though, in college, in the NFL, and they can't block for him. So it's kind of like... I'm sure in Cincinnati at that point, they were saying, like, okay, how he comes out of this is going to you know define his career one way or the other. Well, he came out and promptly went to the Super Bowl the next year. And now this year, I mean, if if you were starting an NFL team, he would be on your very short list of guys you'd want to build around with. Like, he's in that Mahomes and Josh Allen range, maybe slightly below them. Like, I'd probably yeah. go Mahomes and Allen over him, but he's right there. Right. So you talk about defining your career in a situation where you don't want to have to. I'm sure Kyler Murray didn't want to have to define his career. The situation sucks, but 
something's going to change now one way or the other. You know, and I remember saying this at the time, it it, it was bad timing. I, w- I will admit that right now. Nobody said a word to me about it. It was bad timing. Um, I came out after a collar blew his knee out and said, you know, it might be the best thing that ever happened to him to give him the opportunity to reexamine himself. You have a real tendency to go introspective when you get hurt, especially a a serious injury like this, Mm -hmm. a major injury that you know is going to keep you sidelined for months. Um, Sometimes you have a, a real ability and opportunity Look at yourself and examine yourself. Slide yourself under the microscope and say, what is going on? What, what, what exactly is happening here? And what do I need to do to fix things going forward? If you can identify there's a problem, do you think Kyler Murray knows there's some type of problem with the offense of the Arizona Cardinals? I, I guarantee you he does. I cannot imagine Kyler Murray is comfortable losing as much as they lost this Absolutely. Season. And playing as poorly as they all played, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, and because of that, I, I think this is an opportunity for him indeed to hit that reset button. Not the panic button, the reset button. Because as we all know, it's to set again or differently. Yeah, no, it's weird. Well, yeah, you're, how many words have you looked up to that? <laughs> I just, I'm just telling you right now, I love it, man. It's looming right now, is it not? I'm looking up Perry. Cliff, he understands he can build himself back better. Change once again. And where he takes it now is kind of what's going to define his career. You, you've got to do something. You have to. And it's the blending of the old and the new. It is a very weird feeling I, I would agree with you of saying like this is an opportunity for him to take another step in his career or to redefine his career because opportunity is typically like hey something here's a good opportunity that came along again this is horrible he blew out his knee but he's either going to get better <laughs> or he's not like so if you're Kyler Murray if you're in that spot you have to approach it like all right I this is a reset this is a an unwanted reset but I'm I am going to make the best I possibly can out of it that's the only way to approach uh, Cliff was asked yesterday as well if, as a team, they've gone through the possibility of Kyler not being ready for the start of next season. We haven't. I mean, we know that's coming. That's a discussion that I have to be had, and um, there'll be some options on the table, but we have not gone over that yet. That's going to be such a hard thing to plan for as a team because, you know, you, you can go through these games and you can say, ah, oh, Colt McCoy, okay, well, yeah, that's excellent. He's a backup. Oh, David Blau, okay, well, maybe keep him on as a third yeah. quarterback. Well, how many quarterbacks are you going to keep next year? You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, it'd be nice to have Trace McSorley around, too. Okay, well, there's three. Oh, you're going to have Kyler, even though he'll be, you know, maybe on IR to start the year if it comes down to that. And then you got to add another one that's going to start. Like, you can't yeah. you can't have 18 quarterbacks on your roster. It's, there's, a, there's a lot of juggling there that's going to have to happen. You know what, honestly, I like the fact that Cliff um, was talking about the future as well. And even if he isn't back with the Cardinals, I like the fact he's talking like he will be. Shows me a little something, something coming out of the side of the neck. Well done, Cliff. All right, we come back over to basketball. Has James Jones been vetoed on any of the trades he's had discussions about yet? You're going to hear what he had to say about that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Welcome back to the show. It has been a point of speculation for Suns fans. Um, 
and I'm right there with you. What's the deal? Yeah, <laughs> five weeks to the trade deadline. We're not. You know, we've heard. We've heard. You know, maybe Rui Hachimura for Jay Crowder a couple weeks ago. That was shot down. We've heard a couple other names pop up. Okay, maybe the Suns could trade Jay Crowder for this guy, and then don't do it. And all of a sudden, now nothing has happened, except they have lost 13 of their last 18. So people are trying to figure out why has nothing happened. And there was that Brian Windhorst story earlier this week that says, well, maybe James Jones actually can't make a whole lot of trades without Robert Sarver signing off. So James Jones on with Burns and Gambo yesterday, and they asked him flat out, has that been an issue for you? No, it hasn't. We've we've been consistent since day one. I mean, we've known what the parameters for operation for our operation has been and will continue to be until the transition or uh, to new ownership. Um, and so we've been business as usual. So there's been at no point where you've got vetoed on any possible trade that you've had discussions with or presented. No, I haven't. Now, um, I heard this brought up earlier today, Wolf. You could you can read that a lot of different ways. You could read, yeah, okay, it hasn't come up because they know they can't make the trade, so they're not even like. You know what I mean? Like, Don't they, call me. Yeah. I'll call you. <laughs> Basically, yeah. So you can look at that a few different ways. You can say, well, you know, Robert Sarver's not vetoing anything. You could also look at it and say, well, there isn't anything because they know he's going to veto it. You know what I mean? So I don't know that that clears up a ton. You know what, though? When you listen to some of the other answers that James Jones gives when you play some of these other cuts right now, does anyone else get the feeling that James Jones still feels like he does have the pieces to possibly compete for a championship this year? Yeah. Yeah. Here, here's Give me um, a little something, something. They also asked him the follow-up, okay, so is this team going to look the same in five weeks and one day when the trade deadline has passed? I just think how, how we play from here going forward determines a lot. Um, I, I wouldn't project. I can't tell you what it looks like, but I do know. You know, we we have aspirations of of, of being a, a good team, and in order to do that, you have to perform consistently well. We just haven't done that, so it's it's not you know, an alarm for us. But we're conscious that you know we we have goals of winning titles and and, and being a contender and, and winning a lot of games, and so the things that we focus on and, and the moves that we make in the future will align with that. I honestly don't think, I, I, this is just me, I don't think there's this huge move that is out there for the Phoenix Suns. I don't. I, I, I think it's more of a depth situation. The the names, and I'm just throwing out a few because these are the ones that have kept coming up, of the, in that Kyle Kuzma, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich range, guys that can score for you. Kuzma's only making, I think, $13 million this year, but you're going to have to pay him after this year. So I don't know where that would fall on the scale of if Robert Sarver has to sign off because he wouldn't have to pay him in the future. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I think it's more in that range, but I still think that's a significant move that would really help this team. Any of those guys. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt, a little bit lower on the scale. And those aren't the only names. Like John Collins' name has been out there. That's maybe not the trade I would make. But, but those are those are significant guys that aren't Kevin Durant. You know what I mean? That, yeah, that, right. that ship has obviously sailed. Brooklyn is playing out of their has mind. Has it sailed for you? I mean, personally now, are you over it? Because I've been over it. I was, you know that. I was over you it were, You were over it when it was still yes. an option. I was exactly. over it around August. It so wasn't you, August. You're, you're done. You're I was, I was about a month behind you. I haven't asked you. To, really? Yeah. yeah no. I did not know Be- because that. I, because of how weird it got where it was like where Durant had to kind of go down that path of I'm going to force my way out of here. And that just felt dirty. And then all of a sudden he's like, you know what? Never mind. When, when it felt like the Suns got played as like a leverage thing, yeah. that's when I was over it. And okay. that was before the season. I see. But either way, you're not going to be able to make a trade that big, I don't think. But you've got 
you've still got these dates hanging over your head of February 9th or January 15th. Um, to your point, yes, I think James Jones feels like he has most of the pieces he needs. But the 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 race around him, some of these teams are getting better and better. And yeah. other teams are going to get better at the deadline. Okay, Luke, what else do you have for me from James Jones? Because he said an awful lot. Uh, James Jones on why they haven't been able to win without Devin Booker. Well, a myriad of reasons, but we just haven't closed. We just haven't finished. Um, we've been in, you know, plenty of games where, you know, we've been in control and we've had the ability uh, to pull the games out, and we haven't. Some of it's been shot-making. Some of it's been decision-making. Um, and some of it's just been lapses in, in effort and a focus. And so um, – this isn't like any other. I mean, this is like every other NBA season where you have moments of struggles where, you know, players and coaches and the staff and the front office, you know, they have to execute. And we just haven't done it consistently. And, uh, you know, that's that, that's a challenge for us that we'll have to rectify. Yeah, you know, for me, once again, man, it just when he points to the fact, you know, the concentration level and focus and the lack of focus, I, I that's exactly who they were. <laughs> That's exactly who they were. That was part of their culture. It just, man, it, um, you know, I, I know he mentioned a lot of other reasons as to why, but, um, man, that is not the one that I ever expected to hear about the Suns this season. We'll play this one, too. We didn't get to play this one earlier. Um, because I think this is the the fine line that, that he in particular, more than anybody else, has to walk with the Suns this year, right? Because Monty Williams, whoever is out there on the floor, he's trying to win. Whoever's out there on the floor is trying to win, right, at all, at all costs. Uh, individually, to you know, to take the next step in their career or also just as a team. James Jones has to walk that line of, and maybe Monty has to a little bit here, of are you going to play guys? You get so caught up in the standings that you may risk health big picture of your guys in the playoffs or whatever based on the standings. This is what he said. No, nah, that, that's, you, you want to balance that. Like you don't want, you know, seating at the expense of, of being healthy. Um, but it doesn't matter where you finish. Like no one wants to finish last. Anyone that tells you where you, where you finish doesn't matter. Um, it's kind of a cop out. It does mm-hmm. matter where you finish, but you just want to finish in a high place and finish strong. So in an ideal world, um, Every team will tell you they love to host the first round uh, playoff matchup and move forward from there, and, and that that hasn't changed for us. That's the balance, right? There it is, right? They're, they're two games right now out of not even being in the play-in tournament, like being in eleventh place. So they can't, they can't. You can't rush Devin Booker back. You can't rush Cam Johnson back. I get that, but it ties into the whole: do you need to make a move? Do you need to change them? Whatever. You can't just say, eh, you know, whatever. It's regular. It'd be nice to host a, a playoff series, but as long as, you know, we'll, we'll figure it out when we get there. You have to be in the playoffs to figure it out when you get there. You don't want to be like the Lakers. Was that last year? I think it was last year, right? Or two, I, whatever year it was with the Lakers where they're like, oh, we'll turn it on in the second half, and they didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah, so it was you don't want to be year. that. Yeah, yes. that was a good year. I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. That was well done by I you. I enjoyed that. Um, that's the balance James Jones has to work with. No, I'm with you on that. What else you got, man? Uh, James Jones continues and rolls along here on Wolf and Luke Show. Uh, well, he said this, too, not the time to panic yet. Yeah, we've been losing games. I mean, it, there's no secret. You're always you're always concerned when you lose games. But you know, I look at the standings and the parity across the league, and you talk about teams being you know, three games away from the four seed. It's, there's a lot of parity. And so you just have to continue to try to win games. But I'm not like ringing alarm bells. Yeah, uh, we have to get healthy. We get Devin back. 
Um, but until we do that, until Devin's back, we just got to be better. Okay, listen, I, I mentioned this earlier. I'm getting blown up on Twitter. Parody, of course. We all understand. It, it means things are equal for the most part. Equal. That's what it means. But to me, that's on a strategic level. Okay. That, that's up here. When you say parody on a tactical level, you walk out in, in between those lines on the court and tell me there's parody out there. There's a lot of talent that is out there. You tell me when I walked in between those white lines and played the game of football, there's a lot of parody out there. Oh, yeah, parody that is so much better than you are and will blow your face off. That's not parody. Uh, that's not parody. <laughs> yeah. See, that's what I mean by that. When I said that earlier, the meh, you know, it's just it, it's it's an attitude of, hey, you know what? You walk in between those lines. It's all they're all equal. No, they're not. It does have the ring, especially if you're playing. I will grant you this of like, yeah, you guys are all the same, right? Like the final score <laughs> right. is going to be tied, right? right. You, yeah. you guys are so equal. Yeah. You're, you're so good. out. No. No. Individually, no. Collectively, as a unit, the NFL, no. Not everyone is, is, there's not parity out there. It's not equal. It's very unfair, as a matter of fact. Isn't, isn't it, Lawrence Taylor? It's very unfair that Lawrence Taylor would be walking around a football field with all of that goodness blowing your face off. So th- that's that's what gets me jacked up when I hear the word parody used in terms of a sports metaphor. Well, where I I, I think it's important in the in the context of the NBA though is because the NBA has has famously been the league where it's just kind of like, yeah, you know who's going to be there at the end. Yeah, this is great drama in November and December, but we all know for however many years it's going to be Golden State and Cleveland at the end. So their parody in the NBA how James Jones just used it, and I know maybe it's not great for the Suns right now, but overall, it's it's good for the sport to not know right now who the championship is going to yeah. be because for it felt like ever in the NBA, it was like, yeah, great drama, you know, great off-the-court rivalry between these two guys, great game last night. None of it matters in terms of the end of the movie because you always know knew who it was going to be the last uh, two rounds of the playoffs. Yeah. It hasn't been that way in a couple of years, and I like it a lot more yeah, this way. no, I'm with you on that one. It's always a good thing when there's a lot more teams that are included in what could possibly win a championship, right? I mean, that that to me, that speaks to the strength of a league. When you know, man, there's there's five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten teams that could actually compete. Now, again, I'm not saying in the association there are, but I am in the game of football. I honestly believe that there's there's eight teams maybe that could actually compete depending on how they were playing when they go into the playoffs and how much better they actually get. They could compete for a Super Bowl. I believe that. There was a stretch there in the NBA where it was like watching a movie and then getting rickrolled at the end, where it was like, oh, what a great, great movie. And then the end was just the same every year. Uh, that's interesting. You think there's more teams in the NFL that could win the Super Bowl yeah. right now than NBA teams that could win the finals? Yeah, I'd I have do. To, I'm going to look at that during the okay. break. Uh, all right, we come back as DeAndre Hopkins played his final game as a member of the Arizona Cardinals. We'll discuss that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.